Are you going for a walk, a hike, a travel trip? Make sure that you have the right shoes, sandals, and boots for the trip, and make sure that they fit. Jesse Browns has an expert team of footwear fitters that will help make your endeavor feel better from the bottom of your feet and up. Placement in the right category and the right size keep you looking and feeling good, Mortimer, in the right shoes. Stop by jessebrowns.com or the brick and mortar in the shopping district of Charlotte South Park area to get your newest, most favorite adventure footwear from Jesse Browns. Hey, what do you think about some natural lakes? Maybe a little bit lower humidity during the summertime, or actually anytime, lower temperatures for sure, compared to the Carolinas. We're going to go to Canada, of course. Welcome everyone to the Carolina Outdoors. Many of you do not know, I try to put it in each segment or so, but uh, early on Saturday mornings, WBT Radio does blast up and down the eastern seaboard. That's right, Canada to Cuba, Miami to Maine. But that Canada to Cuba parts, we're, we're going to kind of hone in on. We're going to head uh, up to Canada a little bit and talk about a vast interior of Maple Hills, Rocky Ridges, and thousands of lake. This is in the Algonquin region, and that's where we're going to go right now because Randy Mitson has been in that area for decades. He's also been a natural lake addict, and one of the most beautiful escapes in the world is out his back door. We're going to learn about it right now. Randy Mitson, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Randy, this is kind of our annual escape, if you will, here in the Carolinas to kind of head your way and let you paint that picture uh, of the cooler reaches of Canada and the Provincial Park right there. For our listeners who may not know anything about Algonquin Provincial Park, will you talk to us about its uh, just generally its uh, layout of those uh, of that setting? Yeah, most definitely. So Algonquin Park is located in central Ontario. Um, it's about two and a half hours north of Toronto. So um, once you get across the border, you've got a few hours to still drive north. And it's a, it's a wilderness zone. So, you know, it's, it's trees and lakes and rivers and hills. Um, as you said, lots of rocky outcrops and that too, and lots of wildlife. Um, there's not really any towns or villages or cities or anything there. And there's really only one big road that kind of goes through the lower part of it. Um, it's a great escape from uh, everyday life and just to disconnect and enjoy the wilderness. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Now, during your time uh, there at Algonquin Park, um, I guess, and correct me if I get any of this wrong, but one of its most famous uh, pursuits is canoe trips. Talk to us oh, yeah. about uh, what canoe trips, what types of canoe trips are happening, because many people listening to the program may think about paddling around in a still lake for just a little bit, and that is there at Algonquin Park, but there are also day trips and also multi-day trips that people are doing there. Will you uh, kind of give us a schematic of uh, that diversity of trips and things to do with a canoe at Algonquin? Well, and that's that's really great because it really is a diverse scenario as to what type of trips that you can do. Um, you know, there's lots of opportunities where you can just go out on the water for a little bit and enjoy it. 
Um, there's lots of opportunities to paddle, you know, a calm lake, um, a little bay, maybe down a little river and that. But the real beauty of the park is to get into what we call the interior of it. Um, by that, you're paddling, you know, most likely across a lake, and then you're portaging from one lake to the next. So you pick up the canoe with all your gear, um, you put it on your shoulders, and you, you hike basically with the canoe over a little portage um, to get to the next lake. The nice thing with that is it, it tends to leave a lot of the people behind. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of people that will do short portages or they'll only do like one or two portages. But the more of those portages that you put behind you, the more you really get into the back country of the park and get away from the people and, and, and experience the real nature of Algonquin. Also a reminder for our listeners is there are no uh, big houses on these lakes. Uh, there's no motorboats or water skiers or jet skiers. It is all humid powered, at least, Randy, from what I from what I know. And I have uh, spent a little bit of time there. Um, is this all human powered paddling? Yeah, once you get into the backcountry, you're really not going to see motorboats or people water. You're not allowed to water ski in the park in the first place. Um, but yeah, it's all going to be human powered. Um, you may come across the occasional kayaker, um, but it's really a canoeing environment for it. Where the Highway 60 goes through the lower part of the park, um, there's a section that kind of sticks out the bottom that we call the panhandle because it literally looks like the handle of a frying pan. Mm-hmm. Um, the road just goes through that part there. So it only goes through a small part of the park. And that section does have some touristy stuff. So it, it, there are car campgrounds, there are stores, there's a couple of restaurants, there's a couple of lodges. And you will see that there's a couple of cabins and stuff like that on those lakes that are really close to the road. Um, and there are some lakes, some of the bigger ones, that just for safety reasons, they allow motorboats to be able to go out and help people if they have to. Or you can hire what we call a water taxi to shuttle you across the big lake. Um, but once you get off those lakes that are right next to the highway, you know, there is no motorboats. Um, you know, there's, there, it's all human powered. It's all just the brilliant silence of wilderness. Oh, you had me at silence. Randy Mitson is the voice you hear there. He's our buddy from Ontario, Canada, coming on to talk about Algonquin Provincial Park. And Randy, uh, when you when you're saying all of that, it can be intimidating the variety of trips that are available to take on these on these multitude of lakes. Um, there's several outfitters that will help you plan your trip as well in regards to water taxis, reservations, but also working on the logistics of food, of gear, rental gear, guides. All of that, um, for people that may be intimidated by a big international trip, which is what this would be to Algonquin Park, um, give us a lay of the land on how to kind of handle that. Should we call? Should we get on one of the outfitters? Like AlgonquinOutfitters.com is one of those. And then um, maybe call someone to help plan out what we maybe a family, a small group, a, a buddy group, what kind of trip we sh- we we should uh, plan for, whether it be a one day, three day, or a week long? Yeah, I I, I really do suggest that you reach out to locals. Yeah, um, you know wherever I travel, you know e- even if I'm going to a populated place, I, I try to connect with local people there so that I I get the lay of the land from the local point of view. 
And that's really important when you're going into a wilderness area because there is no, you know, there is no call for help kind of thing if you run into a problem. So uh, most of the outfitters will provide a guided trip for it. And if you've never done a canoe trip before, I would definitely recommend that you hire a guide to, to make sure that you stay safe and you have the best enjoyment possible. And those guides can do a number of things. They can just help you get started. So they can show you how to paddle a canoe and set up your tent and start a little campfire and that so you can cook your meals. Um, or they can go with you and basically do everything for you. Um, I've gone on, on trips as a guide myself in the past where, you know, I'm, I'm really only with the client for a day just to show them how to do things from daybreak to, to going to bed at their tent at night. And then they just repeat that after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been on trips where, you know, they, they want a guide that's more of a Sherpa to carry the canoes <laughs> for them and that. So, um, I did a, a trip with, uh, I think it was five or six women once, and they they really just wanted to have a good time and not do any of the work, which was okay because I knew ahead of time that that's what I was getting myself into. So I carried all the canoes, um, three canoes over every portage, and I carried all the packs, um, and I set up the camp every night, and I cooked all the meals and washed all the dishes and rolled down their sleeping bags for them. Um, You left out carrying those wine bottles. Uh, Randy, you left out carrying all the wine bottles. Well, there's no bottles allowed in the park. Ah. You can bring Tetra packs and uh, and plastic containers. That so no glass or tin because we want to make sure that nobody breaks anything and gets cut while they're on a trip. Many times when we say natural lakes, uh, people don't necessarily necessarily have the concept. But many of our listeners are from you know the New York region. There's a great stretch of uh, natural lakes uh, uh, as well as uh, over in Minnesota, the Boundary Waters. If you Will outside of uh, Ellie, Minnesota, and in that area, that's kind of what Algonquin Provincial Park or Algonquin Park is like. Except as as Randy said, it's uh, just north of Toronto. Randy, give us a breakdown of the seasons. Um, I know summertime is a busy time uh, there on the area lakes, but talk to us and, and we'll respectfully on, on your time uh, get into some of the wildlife. But tell us what spring brings summer brings, and then fall and winter bring for visitors to Algonquin? Yeah, I'll just say first that summer is definitely a popular time. Mm -hmm. Um, You definitely want to be planning things well in advance. And if you're, you know, hiring a guide or or renting a canoe or anything like that, um, you definitely want to book that well in advance. Um, You know, a lot of everybody has the great plan to come on a long weekend. So, and there's there's yes. just not enough uh, not enough uh, opportunity to to take care of everybody. So, I usually suggest staying away from the long weekends. Um, it will be less busy. You'll see less people. Um, if you want to come in the summertime, try to book a midweek trip. So, if you're coming for three days, book like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, fall is my favorite time. You know, as soon uh-huh. as the kids go back to school you really start to feel like, you know, you have the park to yourself. There's much less people that come in the fall. Now, we do have the fall colors here with all the maples and everything. Mm -hmm. So there is a very busy kind of two-week period where a lot of people come just for the day to see the fall colors. Um, Even driving across the highway can be difficult with that because there's bumper-to-bumper traffic with the amount of people that come. But again, if you get into the backcountry, you lose a lot of those people. Um, so coming in the fall and going on, you know, a couple of day canoe trips so that you get away from the highway, that's, you know, definitely worthwhile to do it. The park is open in the wintertime. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, there is a little bit of a, 
a kind of a mud season where they, they close for a little while um, between the late fall and the winter, and the same thing in the spring just to, uh, to make sure that it's safe. But once the lakes freeze over and everything, the park does open up. There is a, a campground in the park that's open all year long, um, including the wintertime, and they even have heated yurts in that little canvas huts that, uh, that are heated that you can go and stay at. And there's lots of snowshoeing trails and opportunities. Um, you know, wildlife is probably the best to see in the wintertime because you see all their tracks. So it's pretty easy to find where they've been coming every day and just to hang out in that area to see them. Um, do, the, spring, do the lakes uh, freeze over? The lakes are frozen over then. So yeah. is there ice skating or, or would anybody do any of that? And you're talking to a southern boy down here. so uh, Yeah. So, again, because of safety reasons, there's mm-hmm. usually not ice skating on the lakes that are organized. Um, there is an ice skating rink at the Mew Lake Campground, which is open in the wintertime. Um, and you definitely can walk out on the ice and stuff like that. A lot of people do that. Um you know, you want to be aware of, you know, safety for it. So where there's flowing water, so if there's water coming in where a river is, that might not be frozen over, right. um, or it may look like it's frozen over, but it's only an inch or so thick. Um, so you want to make sure that you stay to where it's uh, it's more safe than that. Um, and it, usually the easiest thing for that is to stay on the land. Um, and there's lots of hiking trails, right? So in the summertime, there's all these day hiking trails. They all turn into snowshoeing and ski trails in the wintertime. Yes. So there's lots of opportunities to experience it. Um, the last season is the spring, and the spring is really for the hardy, diehard people. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a little colder, um, and as it warms up, we get our bug season. So we get uh, we get black flies and little tiny flies that swarm and bite. So usually I recommend that if you've never came to, uh, to Ontario in the spring and never experienced the black fly season, um, you probably want to book another season. Um, I have uh, I have a bug jacket that's all mesh that keeps the bugs off of me, and I wear that in the springtime myself. So it, it definitely is the the one season that you have to take special caution and be aware of. Um, just just have a good experience with it. Well, with the foundational sport of paddling, so we we kind of covered that. The, does the spring bug season that you just mentioned, which is famed there, uh, as that weather's starting to warm up a little bit, is that when the fishing is the best as well? <laughs> It is. <laughs> How does that? That's that's where you know that uh, God has humor. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so fishing is really good in the springtime uh, before before summer really gets uh, uh, fully fully infected. And what are the fish? Everything from tra- trout to smallmouth to what else is in there? Yeah, trout, brookies. Um, I mean bass. Oh, yeah. um, you know, we, we have quite a quite a list of it. And, uh, you know, Algonquin, again, it, when you get into the more remote areas, they're usually where the fi- the best fishing is because yeah. there's less people that are fishing it. Um, you know, if you're just off a of Highway 60 off of a dock somewhere casting a line, you know, a little bit less likely to, to hook into something big. Randy, this is kind of like eating a meal. We start off with some appetizers, hit the entree, but now we're getting towards dessert as we talk about Algonquin Park with Randy Mitson, our friend there in Ontario, giving us the breakdown. So here comes dessert. Randy, talk to us about two things. One of is going back, you mentioned it, the wildlife, from the from the loons that are there to the moose to to whatever wildlife that we may uh, come in contact, get to see, get to hear, get to witness. And after that, we're going to talk about what many of us have here. You don't have light pollution. We can't see the stars uh, uh, like you can. Um, Talk to us about those two things, wildlife and then the beautiful skies of Algonquin. 
I have to hold back here because I, I love the beautiful night skies of Algonquin. So yes. I'm going to hold off on the final little bit of the dessert here. <laughs> yeah. uh, wildlife. So Algonquin Park is a wildlife sanctuary also. So there are no hunting in that allowed in mm-hmm. Algonquin Park. Um, you have to be very respectful of wildlife and give them space. But we have, you know, a vast majority of, of wildlife species that are in the park. They're, they seem to realize that it's a safe spot for them. Um, you know, the big one that a lot of people like to see are the moose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've never seen a bull moose out of, out of the water, you don't realize how massive of an animal it is. Um, you know, it, some of them are, are super tall and super heavy. Um, and, you know, coming the fall season, they just have, you know, such a big rack. They're just a majestic animal. Um, quite often on a canoe trip, though, you'll encounter them in the water. Um, so they're up to their bellies or even higher in uh, in the water, so you don't realize how tall they really are. Um, oh, yeah. I've seen moose swimming across lakes and that, too. They they definitely love being in the water because most of their food is located in the water. And quite often, if you're in a canoe, they kind of think you're a big duck. So, you know, they, <laughs> they quite often, if you're, if you're slow and you paddle parallel to them, like you're paddling past them, not at them, they won't even move. They'll just continue to munch away on the, the lilies and that. Um, it's when you paddle straight at them that you tend to chase them away. Wow. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you stay your distance a little bit, you've got a little bit of a longer telephoto lens with you, or you've got a Pro Series I, iPhone with mm-hmm. you, and uh, you've got that telephoto lens, um, you know, you can, you can enjoy, you know, watching a moose for quite a long time. I've sat in a canoe for an hour easily watching a moose chew away on, uh, on what it's eating. And then, of course, we have, uh, we have packs of wolves um, in Algonquin Park. Um, some of the most wolf research has been done in Algonquin. Um, and it's pretty cool to see how they, they act as packs and how they interact together and everything. It's unlikely you'll see one, but it's quite common that you hear one in the park. And then, of course, we have bears and that, yeah. too. We have black bears in Algonquin Park. So uh, a male black bear is maybe about as big as the biggest dog that you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so they, they don't get big like the grizzly bears and stuff like that. And they tend to be respectable of humans as long as they don't, as long as they don't get fed by us. So make sure you don't feed the wildlife because that will encourage them to come. And that's usually when we run into problems um, with interactions between mm-hmm. people and the wildlife is somebody's been feeding them. And usually where you'll see the bears and you'll see signs up warning about bears are in the campgrounds along Highway 60 because somebody has not been respectful and they, they fed the bears and then the bears just hang out there all the time. So, you know, you can see them in the backcountry, um, but quite often it's just kind of a fleeting moment in the backcountry. We have deers and otters and beavers um, and a ton of birds. If you love watching for birds and documenting all the different birds and that, there's just so many different species. Um so, yeah, it, it is really a wildlife sanctuary for it. And, you know, if you're respectful and you're cautious around the animals and you don't approach too close or approach too quickly and you're quiet, um, you quite often will see something. The best advice that I have if you want to see wildlife in Algonquin is to go on a multi-day canoe trip. Yes. The more days you spend, the better chance you have of seeing something. If you're only here for a little bit, um, say just a day, what I would recommend is, to come in the spring and drive highway 60 and keep your eyes open because the moose tend to come to the side of the highway in the spring to get salt. Um, so it's pretty common to see them. They do look a little ratty because they're getting rid of their winter coat. Um, so they look like they're losing their fur. 
Um, fall is the best time to take a picture of them. They look the best then. Um, but if you want to have the best chance of seeing one, you know, you could easily just drive Highway 60 for a day and uh, keep an eye out off the side of the road, and you're most likely to see one in the springtime. And I will vouch for that night sky as well. Uh, the, <laughs> with the wildlife, you can look up, and if you have multiple days to spend at Algonquin Park or that area, uh, what a beautiful night sky. Randy Mitson, you are a champion. Thanks for jumping on here and, and sharing uh, what you have in out your back door, Algonquin Park, and all the canoeing and recreation, wildlife, and more that are available there. Just type in Algonquin Park, and we'll have uh, information in our liner notes of the Carolina Outdoors. Randy, thanks a bunch. Thank you very much for having me again. It's been how many years have we done this? It's been a few. Yeah, Great. let's keep on doing it. It's our annual event, getting Randy on to talk about Algonquin. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors. <laughs> 